welcome to Two Chunks and Hi. a Hunk. My name Hi. is Jordan hey. Wonders. Hey. And this week I'm your chunk. I'm Doge and Chunk don't live out here. Nice. I'm Carter and wolves don't kill unchunky deer. <laughs> they kill the weak ones. I would argue, in fact, if I was a wolf, they do kill the chunky. <clears throat> Honestly, I, I would be. I was a wolf. If I was a wolf and I saw a chunky deer, it'd be like my eyes would turn into hearts and steam would come out of my ears, and I'd lick my lips with a big you tongue. Go, and I, exactly, <laughs> for sure. <laughs> <laughs> The lazy eye. No, crazy eye. <laughs> what was it from Five Full Goes West? Crazy Never eye. Mind. Oh, crazy. No, it's fine. <laughs> Don't worry about it. Very good. Well, uh, you're probably wondering to yourself, self, yeah. self, why are none of them hunks today? And it's because the hunkiest man of all are God rest sweet, soul. sweet. God rest his soul. <laughs> Our sweet, sweet sound wizard, Adam, hath completed. Adam. Yet one more rotation around the sun. Happy 13th, dude. He is another year older. He's and eighth finally, grade is going to do you right. He's finally a man. According to the ancient ways of our podcast, Adam can now be considered <laughs> an adult at 13 years old. <laughs> He'll read from the manuscripts of Fast and Furious 1. Uh-huh. He will uh, finally get circumcised. <laughs> okay. He'll be baptized in Corona. Uh, finally. Finally. Wow. Happy birthday, Adam. We love you, Adam. Happy birthday. Thank you for you, Adam. all you do, all your work. We, you're the best. You're the best. You're the reason we sound so tasty, so crunchy, so crispy. We do sound really good, y'all. We sound good. There's a lot of like mm. really respectable people out there that have like famous podcasts. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Looking they at you. Don't, they don't Dax. sound as good. You know? It's the sound really. Not to toot our own horn, but. Oh, toot toot. It's the sound really. Maybe that should be our new slogan. I know we made Two a big deal about finding the sound. Got really. our new sound really. <laughs> Rewind it back. Little pod got the read. Make your booty Two go. Two chunks got the pod. Make your booty go. Two chunks got the pod. Make your booty go. Go Make quack. your booty go quack. Like a duck. Huh. Interesting. Do you guys, do you guys see that booty? Make me be, feel like quack. Made me. <laughs> I can never, I've never done a, a Donald, I don't think. Wanna give it a try? It's like back there somewhere. I, I used to be able to do it. Hang on. It all, no, that sounded like a fart. Yeah. Don't give him credit. That sounded like no, a No, no, no. I used to be able to do no, it. No, no, no. It what, sounded good. What would you guys like to hear? So Donald's in the room with us right now. Is there something you'd like to ask Donald? Don, dude, I can't wait to see you soon. Can you uh, do the, our new slogan for us? Dude, that was very good, actually. <laughs> that was very good. I've never I'm seen so your face happy. make that shape before. Well, it's because I transformed. It's because I grew a beak and I lost my lips to be able to make those sounds you, you biologically. Sure did. Thank you. You sure did. That was that was fantastic. Oh, what a gift. <laughs> it's like, man, I didn't want to like spook it, you know? I just yeah. had to cover my yeah, face yeah. and be like, don't scared. Don't let Respected him know. Respected space. Yeah. <laughs> that was wonderful, Donald. Don't make, if you make you. eye contact, slow blink. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. my gosh. No, that's great. That, that was, was very wonderful. good. <laughs> it was very, very good. Well, uh, we are going to talk about episode two of our Mr. <laughs> e series. And today's mystery takes place uh, far north, very cold, yeah, very uh, dark, yeah, uh, tonally, very bummer, big bummer, big time bummer. And this movie is, of course, known as Wind, Wind River. River. And um, look, I, I just this is a heads up for the listeners. Today's episode will be uh, presented a little bit differently. We're going to get all of our discussion out of the way of this particular movie in the first half. And then we've got a little B segment for you in the back half that I think should be very interesting. So with that said, um, I think a good place to start, my first exposure to Taylor Sheridan, who is the writer-director. Are you about to not even ask me to do a synopsis? Oh gosh, I forgot. Please synopsify me. Wow, dude. Please. A wild Nick Reganis has appeared. Oh, yes. First one of the year. 
East of Boulder Flats, deep into the vast and unforgiving white territory of the Wind River Indian Reservation. The seasoned game tracker, Corey Lambert, discovers the frozen body of the young Native American girl, Natalie. As this is a federal crime, the FBI dispatches the inexperienced but courageous agent, Jane Banner, to lead the investigation. However, the unprepared outsider will soon team up with Corey to unravel the mystery of Natalie's murder. Before long, Corey will inevitably have to face his own past, while at the same time, both he and Jane are thirsting to see justice done. I would have picked a different verb. Yeah. In the end, will this be a fruitful alliance? <clears throat> Thank you, Nick. Accurate as good. always. Nick accurate Rodonis. as always. I appreciate Couldn't you, Nick. Be That's more. Great. Could be more accurate. <clears throat> That's great. Thank you. Um, so the first Taylor Sheridan thing I ever saw was Sicario. He wrote yeah. Sicario. And um, obviously, great movie. Have we done that for the pod? I don't remember. I don't know if we have. I don't think so. Interesting. Worth worth thinking about. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Sicario was my first we exposure to Taylor it's Sheridan. Denis. Yes. No, yeah. of course. Yes, yes. <clears throat> my my second exposure was uh, he is the sheriff in Sons of Anarchy, and I think he took place in writing a lot of that show as well. Um, and that's a show that <laughs> Callie and I have watched and, and enjoyed quite a bit. Um, and so th- this was the third Taylor Sheridan thing um, that I, I ever saw. And he wrote and directed this one. And um, I don't know, this, this movie kind of holds a special place in my heart. I was talking to Callie when we watched this the other night and I was talking to her about as I get older, one of the coolest and saddest things about getting older for me is that my taste is changing. And so there are things that I used to love, music, TV shows, movies, games, whatever. There are things I used to love that I don't love as much anymore. Um, yeah. Because... Um, whether it's because the thing I used to like about them is no longer true for me, I don't feel as angsty as I felt when I was 17. So the music I listened to at the time (laughs) doesn't connect in the same way. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, Or because, um, you know, in the case of something like... um, (laughs) Because of Boba Fett. Because of Boba Fett. (laughs) Or in the case, you know, when I was 17, I thought Family Guy was funny. I don't think it's funny anymore. My taste has changed. Um, But then the cool thing is I get to... A, discover new things, but B, find out that I now appreciate something I used to like for a completely different reason than I used to mm. like it for. Tell me about this. Wind, Wind River was that for me. Mm. So the first, I watched it when it first came out. So this movie's been out for six years already. Was that and your only time to watch it? No, I've seen it a couple time? times since then. Mm. This, this is, is my second my time. Fourth second time. Second for me too, yeah. I also I saw it right when it came out and, and haven't revisited it until this week. My my first watch, what I really liked about this movie, um, was how dark and 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 intense it was, um, and that was that was enough for me to get stoked about something at the time. Um, and 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 that's that can still be fun and interesting and and um, kind of a somber way to watch a movie, which I don't mind. Um, but what I really appreciated about it when I watched it this time is my super pump. Wow, dude. And that is the unique view and handling of grief mm. is really special. And, and I think speaks a Very lot honest. to Taylor Sheridan's strengths as a writer. There's something almost yeah. Wes Anderson-y about the conversation surrounding grief in this movie because there is no subtext. Um, it's all text. And when, um, when Corey and, sorry, I need to look, Martin, when Corey and Martin are having their first conversation, he talks about um, good news, bad news. Bad news is she's gone. Doesn't get any easier. Never gets easier. It will stay this hard forever. But the good news is you get to revisit her. You get to think about her and you get to curate your memories so that you remember her how you want to. But Martin, you just sit there and you just take it because that's all you can do right now is just take it and you're going to keep yeah. taking it. And, and that conversation and the conversation at the end of just, I got to go pick up my son. I'm never going to get over this. I'm just going to sit here for a little bit. Will you sit with me? Yeah. That I, I specifically don't know. is it, my super pump. That scene. Yeah. It's just beautiful. Mine too. The, I, I just Ugh. need to sit here and miss her for a little bit. Yeah. Dude. I, I don't know. It, I think it's a unique it, and it's honest also, view. Yeah. 
anytime you can get the what feels like that espresso drip of what the creators of the of the movie like all the themes that they were hoping because there is also yeah. too to where Martin is wearing I think he called it like his death his paint death face or something yeah there's yeah. death face and very honestly is like I I just took a shot because no one can teach me this anymore yeah dude right so deep down in the roots of his grief right is something that's being alluded to the entire time in this movie oh by the way recency bias my daughter has been raped and murdered basically yeah. so yeah the fact that those two sit down together and there is something very significant to me about grown men having this conversation yeah i think I agree. it is uh it's great to like see that be the crux of like one of the main relationships in this in this movie because Corey is also just this sage you know just wise but just so weathered um yeah, big time but yeah i love that scene that he has with martin Will you just sit like that's so simply all he's asking for. He's expressed his feelings and he's expressed a need and then he's asked for help. And then his his really good friend is like, Yeah, dude, absolutely. In the kindest yeah, way, anyway. I'm not going anywhere. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think that and then um Oh, sorry, Doge. I want you to be able to talk about it as well. I was about to move on from that point. No, I'm I'm just for all the same reasons Carter said, I think that scene is my super pump. Um sure. it, it was honestly a toss up between that scene itself being my super pump and Gil Birmingham who plays Martin being sure. my super pump. Uh, just because we we get very little of Martin in this movie. I think there's really mm-hmm. maybe two scenes with Martin. Yeah. Uh, but like, I, I don't know. Three man. technically because uh, uh, Jane goes to the house without, no, that's when Corey shows up. You're right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I don't know, man. It's just something is so... Yeah, I don't know. I, I really can't put my finger on what it is about Gil Birmingham's performance that is just like next level in this sure. to me. Uh, and I, yeah, I don't it know. I don't so know if that's personal. something I'm bringing to it. Maybe that. Maybe that's what it is. Maybe it's you can feels take more you know, personal. Yeah, Rinner is just Rinner is good for the setting because he's played that forever. Mm-hmm. Just some grizzled, wiser than you. You know, almost like a Denzel Washington vibe sometimes. Just quieter. Dude, totally, totally. <clears throat> Whereas, you know, Gil Birmingham being on an Indian reservation that is being neglected by the government that is all, it's just kind of like, oh, well, there's clearly very real world. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. You know, personal stuff about that. So I think, yeah, that's another yeah. reason that that stands out for me. Also, he's just incredibly magnetic. Gil Birmingham yeah, really is. is. Maybe it feels like it. he was in the entire movie, but yeah, it's, I, I forget. It was just a couple of scenes. I completely He's agree. great. I think the, the, to tag on at the end of my super pump, it doesn't really count, so whatever. But the scene with Jane and Corey in the hospital, I mean, when he's just planning to stay with her and she realizes he's just planning to stay for a while and she starts to cry. And she is so heartbroken when she says, she ran six miles in the snow. And he just turns back and he's like, she ran six miles yeah. in the snow. And and that that sums up, I don't mean to over overread, overanalyze, or or overcheese this conversation. But that to me, that is the crux of this no. movie, which is dark and depressing. But the crux of this movie is look look at what this girl did. You couldn't do that. We couldn't do that. She is stronger. And I think there's a lot of metaphor in this movie for um just the general treatment of Native Americans by people who colonized America. Um, and current government now. But even beyond that, just that scene, I think is a really, really sweet reframing of the tragedy of this poor girl. And um, I think that's unique. You don't see that in a lot of movies. Um, Yeah. I thought it was special. That's what really struck me, this viewing, was that that lens. Yeah. Taylor Sheridan, I didn't realize that the... uh, it was kind of a three beat for him. And this was the, it was Wind River, but it was Sicario, Hell or High Water, and then Wind River. And then were yes. kind of all a part yeah. of a, a theme for him. And I totally get it. It makes complete mm-hmm. sense that he was a yeah. writer and creator for Hell or High Water is also awesome, by the way. <clears throat> it's also wonderful. It. It's also very, very good. And it's so, great. yeah, he's got, um, it feels like Sheridan, from what I've seen of his, uh, it's not nearly as much as what I've seen of the Coen brothers, but it does feel like he's got quite a grip on culture of his settings like he a sensitivity yep, yeah. to the environment and just getting the right people in there especially it's also like it's not as easy as it might sound to have a fish out of water scenario which is elizabeth olsen's character mm-hmm. with jane but 
she's also perfect for it. I mean, there's that's something special about a movie that's just like, I can't really imagine anybody else. I mean, I guess I could, but it wouldn't be the same. Um, <clears throat> I got the same kind of like fish out of water vulnerability from Elizabeth Olsen in this watch that I got out of like, uh, like Francis McDormand in Fargo or like Clarice in Silence of the Lambs. Where yeah. it's just like, I like, I think we're supposed to feel the kind of the vulnerableness and the like, oh, there's like, you're out here sort of on your own until you mm-hmm. fully team up with Corey. Mm-hmm. Um, but I yeah. picked up a lot more of that in this watch than I did the first time. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, they're the Corey and is it Jane? Mm-hmm. Yeah, no. Yeah, yeah. The Corey and Jane relationship is very similar to me to the uh, Emily Blunt and Del Toro. Yeah, and, sure. uh, yeah. Sicario yeah. for yeah. sure. Just reframed a little bit, but yeah, there's a lot of um, really excellent dialogue between Corey and people who live on the res. Um, just a lot of really like revealing dialogue about the way that like these teenagers feel about living there, about how trapped they feel that their only option is three hots in a cot with free cable um, just because it's better than the alternative. Um, and it all feels very, maybe maybe I'm speaking out of turn. Maybe I'm uninformed, but I was going to say it feels informed and researched to me that it seems like Taylor Sheridan did his homework on, <clears throat> yeah, you know, yeah, what, it feels thoughtful. what people are feeling. Yeah. I mean, he had yeah, consultation his- from like uh, those Shoshone members, uh, mm-hmm. like were trying to help him find that statistic at the end, and and they were the ones who actually came back and were like, "Hey, there is no there statistic. isn't one." Yeah, I believe it was. I believe it was Shoshone. Let me check. That is that is brutal, by the way. Um, yeah, but um, yeah, I I just think that. Telling- I'm sorry. That was that was his researchers, uh, Shoshone tribal leaders, uh, revealed him that there were 12 unsolved murders on a res with 6,000 residents mm. just because of the way that legal jurisdiction works in those cases. There was like, uh, if, if a non-res member commits a crime on the res, then the reservation police can't do anything about it. They have mm. to call the federal police and the FBI just doesn't do anything mm. about that stuff. Cool. It's a cool, fun episode from your cool, yeah, fun podcast, so, boys. So far, good vibes. So far, good feelings. Really, <laughs> really love all that. That's excellent. <laughs> no, I think, can we can we spend a little time, especially since our movie discussion portion is going to be a little shorter today, can we spend a little time talking about the actual mystery, mystery at the heart of, of yeah. this? Yeah. What, what do you guys think about the mystery, the reveal, the sort of twist of the whole thing? What are your thoughts? Um, I liked the, what would I just say? It's like there's this, almost this parallel. <clears throat> I love the fact that Corey is a hunter. Yeah. Um, and it it has felt Wild West a little bit to me in terms of, it's just, it does feel very much a more thoughtful version of someone, some grizzled cowboy taking the law into his own hands. Yeah. Sure. You know, yeah. and I think a lot of that Frontier has to do with Renner, Renner's, yeah, a lot yeah. of that has to do with Renner's portrayal of that. I think the twist uh, isn't as twisty if we didn't have, uh, is it, oh my gosh, I'm John Bernthal. I'm so John terrified. Bernthal. John Berth, Bernthal. John Bernthal? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. Bernthal sounds like the kind of cigarette he would smoke. <laughs> um, <laughs> I thought it sounded like an ointment. <clears throat> Some Bernthal. Bernthal. Um, just rubble Bernthal on it. John, uh, having him play the role of the boyfriend who's actually good, mm-hmm. yeah, is the twisty thing because that's think, the twist to me. Yeah, yeah. There's yeah. something about Bernthal's face, and he would he. It's made him millions of dollars, so hopefully, yeah. I'm. I don't. There's the slight chance. I've never been more afraid to offend somebody, but there's no way he'll, he's going to listen to our podcast. But he does feel like the kind of guy who could just come, dude. He's and in destroy Discord, me. Bro. He's in Discord. Dude. He's in our Discord. Oh my God. He, oh, that he's playing box sense. office ball. He's playing Bob right now. Um, but I think that that twist is great because I think there's a lot that's going on in terms of painting with a wide brush of what we can assume yeah. people to be like. Um, and it kind of catches us there. I think casting like, Bernthal, oh, casting Bernthal in the role of a kind boyfriend is like pretty equivalent to me to casting Bill Skarsgård in that role in Barbarian, where it's like using yeah. the audience yeah, yeah, expectation, sure. audience familiarity with that actor's body of work to like 
kind of subvert an expectation. We're like, oh, Bernthal's here. He's going to be scummy and kind of That's <laughs> scary, great. intimidating. Yeah. Also, Bernthal's perfect if it's like, hey, who do we think could beat the crap out of five grown men? If he had, yeah. if he had who a might actually win that? If he fight. had sixty yeah. seconds, yeah. There is something about the way that he. I, I've watched The Punisher, which was, I think, a great show. Um, but there's a grunt or like almost this guttural. I don't know what to call it. Uh, maybe like, it's just a, like that yeah, thing like, that he does. Like, yeah, that thing that is just like, oh my Sounds like goodness. A Call of Duty zombie. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that he's going after him. It's but, the same way he does when he tells her to go and he's on the floor and he's like, go. Yeah. <laughs> just shoots it out. Yeah. Yeah. Go, go. Um, yeah, but in terms of that, like with the twist and then also uh, just seeing how incapable or I don't know, just seeing how certain hands were tied to be able to solve the mystery. It's like, yeah, a lot of the times I don't think our barriers to solving the mystery are the fact that, well, we're not allowed to, Yeah, you know? Mm-hmm. And so that, I thought that was very interesting and unique too. Yeah. No, I agree. I agree. And I think, you know, what's funny in, in a movie where I think pretty much every performance is pretty stellar. Yeah. Um, I, I, I don't have a ton to say about her other than I just think Elizabeth Olsen is pretty fantastic in everything. She's, she's never been bad. She's really excellent in this movie and I really adore her character. But in a movie with such strong performances, I actually think that the mystery is one of the weaker elements of I this agree. film. Um, it's not all that... We're, I, don't, I didn't feel all that engaged with the whodunit portion of the story. Um, I don't know that I would classify, like outside of it's the middle of mystery, it's the second week of mystery returns. I don't know that I would ever be like, yeah, my favorite mystery movie is Wind River. Right. There I don't feel like I would say this is a mystery it. movie. Yeah. 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 I think I agree. Um, it's even called, yeah. it's got five genres on IMDb. Crime, mystery drama. Isn't... Yeah. Crime, drama, mystery, thriller, mm-hmm. Western. Mm-hmm. The uh, I was watching it on Freevee. Which had you ads watched it with stuff. ads? I was able to watch this for free. Oh, yeah, dude. I think I made up money. Oh, um, don't tell Chris. I was no watching one. it on Freebie, and they they gave a little genre too, and one of them was bleak. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that tracks. I'd say that tracks. <laughs> that tracks. Just like so bummed out, like pretty much from the moment that that Jeremy Renner gets to that that Corey gets to Martin's house. And Martin yeah. goes outside so he's not crying in front of yeah. uh, Jane and Ben. He's just like, oh, okay. And it's just, it's that, the rest of the movie. Yeah. yeah. Which is so not a bad thing. Though, right? Yeah, it yeah. absolutely needs to be. I'm not saying like, oh, D- Taylor Sheridan. <laughs> Where's why did the you, comedy? <laughs> why did you bum me out with it? Why'd you tell me something sad? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, while we're on the, the bummer train, I'll go ahead and do my super dump. If that's okay with everybody here. Um, my super dump is, and this is a personal thing, and I know that this comes down to like movie taste. I understand that. I think that we should stop showing sexual assault on screen mm. in movies. Yeah. I understand that it's an effective emotional shortcut, but it is just so incredibly sensitive yeah. and creates such a large barrier for audiences who may have gone through something similar. Yeah, it the risk reward does not feel worth it, and for my own personal feelings, I hate it. Not in like a not in like a oh they gouged out that dude's eyes and I hated seeing it. Not in a gili plastic knife cut a finger off kind of hate it. I mean, Shot like, right it, at, right above the butt crack of your own mom gili kind right. of way. Not not in that kind <laughs> of way. I mean I mean like I just I think it almost it almost feels tasteless to show. Yeah, I yeah. I mean, I can see as thoughtful as Sheridan seems to be with he his story is. Yeah, I'm not. I can accusing see, him of being you know, tasteless necessarily. I feel like we could. I could feel like. I feel like we could fabricate a likely argument that he would try and make for something like that. But it is, you know, personally, you're you're super dumb, and I've I've I have felt that way too about um like seeing suicides mm-hmm. in in movie, like actually yeah, seeing for sure in something too. Whereas it's like I don't, I don't know there's a way to allude to that artistically and things like that. Because I, I personally have friends, you know, that have had family that have committed suicide and and they just can't, 
it, it'll sneak up and you're like, well, here's another one. I can't yep. watch this. Yeah. I'm right back. I'm right back in a place that maybe I need to be, but I didn't think it would happen yeah. right now. You know, so yeah. that's tough. Well, and I understand that it all comes down to maybe somebody else doesn't, doesn't str- struggle watching something like that the same way that I do in the same way that, you know, watching, when, when you mentioned suicide on screen, um, uh, it feels weird to say that doesn't bother me. Of course it bothers me, but you know what I mean? It doesn't give me that it same is, it's reaction. It's not triggering. That, yeah. Right. Yeah. And so I think that um, obviously it's different tastes. So I, I feel weird saying that I'm the arbiter of what should and shouldn't go in a movie, but that, no, but it, that it, is it feels like dumb, it, I don't care. And you didn't it. say that. You Intentionally that. showing like graphic triggering situations on screen can be a kind of like, Hey, that's a pretty privileged position to be in to be like, yeah, I can show this. And like, most people will be fine with it. Like, yeah, I sure. don't know. To me, I that would feels have wanted like an, an example of like, hey, just a little bit, a little bit more thoughtful or tasteful would have been sure. awesome. Yeah, yeah, sure. I would have wanted Corey to kill the awful guy. Yeah, just as much. Right? There is that moment of like the retribution a little bit. Excuse mm-hmm. me, that you're like, yes, yes, make him. But you couldn't even run hundred feet. She ran six miles. You idiot. Yeah, yeah. no, it feels good. My, for sure. My super dump was. And maybe it was just shocking to have this guy act the way that he did. I don't think it was Carl. Who's the character? Pete. 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 Yeah. So my He's super dumb. Like, Where's my boots? My boots. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah, I did. Yeah. yeah. Like he yeah. was like, he was, he didn't need to be portrayed in my opinion. And again, I'm not an actor. That grimy. It was like, yeah. Okay, there is a scenario to where because we are seeing what the environment of Wind River can do. Sure. It is sucking the life out of people. Um, there are people that are like, uh, there's nowhere. It's it's maybe it's better than the alternative. I don't want to go anywhere else. I don't want anyone to, to come in. And then you have the people even outside of the ones that maybe grew up there and had to grow up there that are mm-hmm. working there. And then it's like, oh, they're withering away. It's almost like when you have the ring, right? Yeah. The ring of power. But it was too much of a caricature for me. And I think when it was measured against what has just been so powerfully subtle about Renner's performance of Corey, like with those two together, maybe it was maybe they were supposed to juxtapose in a massive visceral way, but mm-hmm. it was too much for me. That's my super pump or super dump. Yeah. Is Pete. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Specifically Pete in the final scene of Pete's life. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, uh, Doge, you haven't super dumped yet, have you? No, I haven't. Um, well, we got, we got Doge's super Would you dump like left. Me to? And uh, I also want to talk about one other scene before we, we rate this uh, to close out the first half of this episode. But yeah, Doge, give me your super dump. I think, I, I was kind of waffling back and forth. I think it was, I think pretty much all of John Bernthal's friends are cartoons. I think it's not yeah. just limited to Pete. I think a lot of those guys are cartoons. Um, but I don't know. I'm willing to make that my super dump. Can you guys give me a compelling reason why Jeremy Renner is a white guy and not Arapaho? You know, I did. I did have that thought watching of I love Jeremy Renner and I think love he's Jeremy Renner so much in this movie. But shouldn't shouldn't for this the metaphor of the greater scope of this movie to come full circle, shouldn't this be an Arapaho person? Shouldn't he yeah, be Arapaho? Like, shouldn't there be, because that, that line when he said, when he's talking to Pete at the top of the mountain and he said, my family's people were forced up here and some have had to stay here over a century. It's like, man, that, I don't, <laughs> you're a white Unless there's guy. something I'm missing about his character. That I think I there's yeah. something about the portrayal of, uh, and again, this this probably could have been through Jane, like as the surrogate, but there is something about the portrayal of uh, like a legitimate, thoughtful ally, like in a respectful way. Sure. Yeah. Um, Especially for things of like sitting down with Martin at the end. Yeah. And it's, yeah, I think it's no, it's, uh, there's trivia about it on IMDb. I think it's no accident that uh, it's a cowboy and a Native American sitting looking out over the frontier to close this movie. Like, absolutely, I think that is. Perfect. I don't know. I think there's just and something like- And I think like, he is written to be like the whole time. He's nothing but respectful and even kind of reverent yeah. of Arapaho culture while he's on the res. Yeah. And even so, talking to his kid, his kid was like, that's some real cowboy, huh? And Jeremy Renner's like, no, nah, that's Arapaho. That's mm-hmm. your that's your mom's family. Yeah. It yeah. has 
interesting dynamics too when we do introduce the other like white protagonist in Jane mm-hmm. to see like, yeah. so here's what it also looks like to not look like everybody else, right? Here's how long it takes yeah. to be respected. Here's what, yeah, here's I the just example think it's, of. It gets a little messy, like not white savory, but could could like pretty easily stretch white savory whenever yeah, he's presented as the white guy who's figured out empathy with people who are not like him. The conversation with Chip, when Chip's in the back of the cop car and Chip's like, what's all this we stuff? Yeah, yeah, Stop yeah. saying we, you're a white guy. And the conversation yeah. ends with Jeremy Renner being like, no, I understand exactly how you feel. I don't think you do, Jeremy Renner. I don't think you can. You know, I, I don't know. That just, sure. that was an area in which I think like, it absolutely works in the context of the movie. And I, I think like the movie taken as a whole is not that at all. Mm-hmm. But there are isolated moments in the script and in uh, the character of Corey that could be like, ooh, maybe we could have used a second pass on a little bit sure. of that stuff. Yeah, I can hear that. I can hear that. Yeah, it's tough. It's tough when I, I don't have an issue with Jeremy Renner. No, playing I think he's this, like his he's play great. Of this, this is a role. great yeah. character. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, is there a better version of this? Yeah, I agree. I had that thought as well. Um, I do want to talk up, for just a second about uh, the why are you flanking me scene. It's just so good. It's just so Ooh. expertly tense. Um, this is brought to you by the same man who gave us Border Crossing and Sicario, and Sicario. which is yeah, equally tense tell. and freaky. You but man, tell. this whole scene is gut wrenching the entire the, time. You all didn't the see way it. Through. You didn't see it. Yeah, Ugh. man. The panic, the like animal panic of that dude in that moment is so. When Corey starts to unload on some of those guys, though, like they they <laughs> that first mm. shot takes that dude off of his feet. Oh my yeah. gosh! He gets the guy airtime. in the trailer that goes from one wall to the other from mm-hmm. whatever rounds. Corey's loading up. Yeah, I think we're to assume it's crazy. the special hollow point rounds he's it's, making. It's his yeah. homebrew. Yeah, bullets. Yeah. The moment they get to the drill site, that is, Jordan. I think earlier you said expertly tense. Yeah, for me that means like I kind of don't want to watch. That's that's like right. the exactly. measurement yeah, for, for sure. me of like I can't. I don't want to be here for sure anymore. And then when somebody picks up that like, hey Jane, you need to get away from the door. And but she not in just time. gets shotgun blasted off of the yeah. porch. Yeah, oh, dude. There's something about holding violence like that until an episode. Until it's ready that to be deployed. so incredibly yeah. intense. Yeah. I agree. So incredibly intense. Completely agree. Well done, especially on that front, Taylor Sheridan. Uh, do more stuff. That's fun. Uh, let's rate it real quick. If we may. Let's we rate may. the movie The Wind River. The, the Wind, the wind River. Uh, we're going to do the scientific cinema scale. We're just doing it early. You know, keep it fresh. Keep it light. Keep it on your toes. Dang. Never know when it's coming. What, are, are they going to zig? Uh-uh. Zag. Uh-uh. Oh, it's a zog, dude. You didn't even heard of it before. Best thing we could ever say about a movie is own it, don't lend it. Buy, buy that, that poster. poster. The next best thing is buy it. It's followed by rent it. And then stream it. After that is forget it. And last, but certainly least, the worst thing we could ever say about a movie God hath forsaken us. I'll go. Okay. Uh, This is a buy it for me. I think it is absolutely wonderful. I do own it, and I did forget that until (laughs) I went to watch it for this. Uh, It's a buy it for me, but I also think it's one of those. I watched this in 2018, I think. So five years ago. I'm probably good for another five years, I think. Yeah, sure. It's it's a whole lot. A little grim, yeah. It's a whole lot, yeah. uh, but it's so good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I buy it too. It's just really great. I think it's a unique setting and just really good acting. And if I can get those two, uh, most movies are going to be a buy it for me. Mm. Uh, I think I'm I'm going to stick to my guns on this. I'm renting. I'm renting Wind River. It's excellent. It's really, really well made. And I genuinely like the movie so, so, so much. But I think this serves to me more as a showcase of what Taylor Sheridan is capable of rather than an actual, or or maybe it is a, a promise of what he's capable of rather than a showcase of what he's capable of. Let me put it that way. Maybe Yellowstone's great because it's him. Dude, it could be. It's got good ratings. It just doesn't yeah. tickle my fancy. Uh, where would you rank this in terms of his like American Frontier trilogy? Second. With 
first is Sicario for you? Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Sicario is just great. It's Denis. It's Taylor Sheridan's script, which is his best, the thing he's best at, and Denis' direction. So it's uh, of those three, this is the only one he didn't write on spec, which which basically those others were like, hey, can you write a script? Uh, this is the only one he was contracted for. Sorry. Yeah. That they were like, hey, whatever you do, we're going to buy it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so what does on spec kind of, mean? He submitted it, submitted it, and hoped it would get picked up. Okay. And Speculation, based, speculating, is that what that means? Yeah, yeah. So, so based on the the strength of the other two, they were like, the thing. That's the thing where you see like untitled Taylor Sheridan project is confirmed for this. Mm-hmm. That usually means somebody's not writing on spec. They've been contracted, and it's like, hey, whatever you do next, we're, we're gonna make it and produce Taylor it. Sheridan. We, we're yeah. buying Taylor Sheridan's next idea. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. No, that's that's cool. That's super cool. Yeah, I think um, Hell or High Water is a really, really strong movie as well. And if you haven't seen it, you should watch it. Uh, Chris Pine, Jeff Bridges, and Ben. What's his name? Uh, the brother Ben. Something. Oh, you know what I'm talking about. Uh, really yeah. great movie. Really, really solid. Kind of heisty, actually. Um, and Hell or uh, Heist Water. Nice. Dude. Yeah, you won't be disappointed. And the other thing you won't be disappointed in. Shout out. Hi, friends, and welcome to Shout Announcements, part of the show where we make shout outs. We, we do shout outs and make announcements. We haven't shouted out, I think, in a long time. Let's just throw one in there. Um, Gil hmm. Birmingham, man. Yeah. Love what you're doing, dude. Great shout job. out, Gil. Thanks for Great reaching out. Great job in Wind River, Gil Birmingham. Way to go in Wind River. <laughs> Uh, Gil, uh, I want to talk a little bit about something called Patreon. There is something. Did hunkies already happen? I'm out. I'm outside of the time loop. I don't believe the hunkies have already happened. We revealed our nominees, but we don't think we've opened voting. Yet. Okay, okay, okay. So be We're on the lookout Academy for style. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> be on the lookout for uh, voting opening. And if you haven't yet, listen to our mini Monday. It was the first mini Monday. It's just called the hunkies, I believe. When you go find that on any of our, our, your streaming platforms, listen to that, get an idea for our nominations, a little bit more as to why we put them there. But we wanted to have our own award show. And so we've got our nominations out there. You can vote on that. But Patreon uh, is significant for this in that you can get an extra vote. You also get those extra episodes with just that $3 tier. And the $5 tier, it just lets you in like fully to the Discord. You can converse with us on the daily. Uh, we have a lot of fun channels in there. We've got one called Fives that we just pick kind of like Top five of blank. I'll usually throw something out there. my favorite. We also have, uh, that's your number one way to get into, only way to get into Box Office Ball, which we are just now beginning our fourth season in which I have just good feelings, Doge, that this is going to be not yours. It's going to be a better season for you. I think- I that's I would just have to not come in last. It's so, so funny I think that's because it's not without- ultimately. Yes, it's not without effort. You definitely- are one of the more on top of that it, makes it worse. people. And Jordan yeah. just kind of does this like Harvey Dent flip a coin kind of thing every week and he yeah. does well. I don't know. Yeah. But box that's office cool. ball is there. So that's a, a great way to support us financially, but there's a lot of other ways that you can support the pod. Don't forget to tell people about Two Chunks and a Hunk. Uh, and rate and review on Spotify and on iTunes. Both of those algorithms are much more valuable to us than the IMDb algorithm. Uh, it's hard to support something you haven't listened to. So yeah. we would love it if next week you listened to our episode. We'll be talking about the game. Uh, and I did just want to come on here and tell, give everybody this announcement is that uh, if you are of a certain age around mine and Carter's and Jordan's age, then I just I want to inform you that you have now lost the game. Uh, I'm not Whoa. sure how long of a streak you were going on, but you have now lost the game. So oh. uh, we'll be reviewing the game next week, talking about the game. And also it's time to start your next round of the game because you did lose it. <laughs> and we're back into the pod. Um, I have enjoyed, I think there's many, when, when, when we do series based off of a genre, I think there's always great conversations around how unique those can be. I think there was a lot yeah, of it in Chunktober. I almost feel like those are almost more interesting than the movie discussions themselves. Yeah. It's just talking about like, what makes a horror movie? What makes a good rom-com? Like all that kind of stuff. Yeah, that's what we wanted to do with the second half of the podcast and say, for us personally, 
like what makes a good mystery movie. And I think for me, even in even in some of the movies where it's a, a touch mystery adjacent, which my favorite movie of all time, Silence of the Lambs, there's some mystery there. Um, but I think there needs to be something. We need to know the sleuth, um, something personal about them. I think mm-hmm. the person who is, uh, and uh, we get duos all the time. You know, we're talking about Taylor Sheridan movies and it's always two people, you know, at least. Yeah. That are trying to solve the same uh, murder. But I think for the sleuth to have some kind of, not even a connection to the murder itself, but know something personally about them. Benoit Blanc has been interesting in Glass Onion because we don't know a ton about him. And I think I that's say, also really He seems really like fun. an exception to that. Yeah, it's a little bit, it, maybe even know less about him than we would like Poirot in that, you know, Poirot, Hercule Poirot was like a veteran. Like he yeah. has a limp and has the cane because he got injured in war. Um, right. But we don't know a lot about Benoit. But I don't know. I feel like Daniel Craig has given us enough quirk that I do feel like I know something. So that's kind of how it works. Yeah. Um, which, how, how do you feel about, like, what, what does your sleuth have to have? What does your solver need for you to be engaged? Um, I feel like they've got to be smarter than everybody else in the room. Yeah. Like in a... I don't know, because that's tricky. Because like there are mystery elements. Like we talked a little bit in the first half. Like Wind River, I don't know that I would say this is a mystery movie. Uh, and I, I don't know that I would say like Silence of the Lambs, like you talked about, is a mystery movie. But I would say that something like like Gone Girl that we did in Mr. E1 mm-hmm. is a mystery movie. Yeah. But there's not really a sleuth trying to solve it in Gone Girl. So I don't know. I, I'm still trying to decide if the presence of a sleuth is necessary for a mystery movie in general or just for the subset of mystery movies that is like who done it crime being solved Agatha Christie style you know what yeah, i mean yeah it's such a scatter plot and i think that's part of the point i guess of mystery it's kind of yeah. <laughs> alluding to that it should be a little bit all over the place and so when the filmmakers are using that same scatter plot that's pretty fun I, I, we talked about we've done some genre series we did horror but really our most recent was action christmas so there's not going to be a lot of references back <laughs> yeah. to that But in horror, there is this thing of, it feels like, which genre do you think has a better shot at subversion uh, subversion of expectations? Because our big genres, I think with drama, drama is one that can kind of be anything. It's kind of like saying pop. Yeah. Like, yeah, this song is pop. Yeah. And then maybe there's like, oh, but pop alternatives. Like, okay, nobody really. This is R&B pop. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Whereas- Horror and mystery feel like defined to an extent. Like I need, uh, like if there's a three beat to like, okay, yeah, yeah, someone will solve something in a mystery. Someone will die in a horror. I, I'm going to be scared here. Um, what do we think is like? I don't know. I, I think I'm realizing they're a little bit more alike than I had assumed. Um, I think you go into both of them with the same expectation. Hmm. Like at least for me, like if I sit down to watch a horror movie and I end up loving it, and I sit down to watch a, a mystery and I end up loving it. If I track my expectations across it, it's I sit down, I push play, and I don't have any idea really yeah. what's going to happen. And I'm like allowing myself to be swept along and confused and have a lot of faith that like, hey, this is all going to come together in the end and it's either going to be really satisfying or really scary. Uh, like I think we talked a lot about monster reveals this year in Chunktober. Like, yeah. And like the, the monster reveal in The Descent is awesome. The monster reveal in Barbarian is awesome. And those to me are the same thing as the the scene where we might actually see the crime happen or like we get a really a really uh shocking development in the case or uh you know, even the parlor room scene where where the detective says like and it's simple, the pieces are all there and this <laughs> yeah. is how it happened. You know yeah, what I mean? Right. Like that kind of thing. That like reveal, that prestige moment of like, oh yeah. I think it it lives or dies on whether that moment actually works and makes sense. That's fine. Yeah, there's, I, it feels like there's some elements of horror that can be the inverse. Whereas in horror, you're kind of already trying to solve like who's going to be the last one left. Yeah. Where in mystery, yeah. it's like who's gone <laughs> and like how did it happen? <laughs> right. The one person that's out. <laughs> and, and I guess bodies yeah. continue to drop in those two. But um, I think a big element for me for a mystery is I think as the viewer, whether you say it out loud or not, like you're trying to solve it. 
Like you right. also are, right. are doing this thing. It's not like you're playing Wheel of Fortune, you know, and trying to solve that puzzle. But it can <laughs> be, well, maybe for some, but it can be like you want to, especially when you get a Benoit Blanc, right? Like you want to be yeah. able to do it first, right? Exactly. When, when if, it's, time, if it's a movie version of like Clue. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So do you, does it matter to you whether or not a mystery movie is solvable? Like as the viewer? I think I don't... Uh, I, I don't, go ahead. I think I don't care if I solve it first. Yeah. But if they like tell me this is a solution and it's not, if it's like, okay, well, no, like, like if watching back through Glass Onion, if it's like all the things that Benoit Blanc says actually happen, like if the drink switch didn't actually happen, yeah, I would feel like, oh, that's not playing fair. Like, of course, I, of course I'm surprised by this because it was different when I watched it. Yeah. Yeah. I think for me, it doesn't really matter. I think if it, I'm going to be trying to solve it regardless. I am, I don't know. If it's too easy to solve, then that might be tough for me. But I can't think of too many mystery movies that I've watched that it was like, well, duh. I knew this all yeah. along. You know, Gone Girl was a mystery in the subversion that, well, she's she's not dead. I think we kind of knew she that. She took herself, yeah. yeah. I think especially <laughs> to, you know, Rosamund Pike was nominated for all the awards. And so yeah. for us to have like 10 minutes of her and then she's gone, you know, in your mind, you're like, yeah. okay, when real world events can kind of help you solve some part <laughs> of it, you're like, okay, she's not, okay. she's definitely yep. still around. But yeah, yeah. I think for me, the, the thing with writing a mystery, and I, I, maybe I've just talked to you guys about this before, is I think when you're writing a mystery, you have to write two stories, basically. Mm -hmm. Like you have to, uh, or it's like making a palindrome uh, or an ambigram, uh, which is a drawing. Like if I wrote my name out on a piece of paper, if it's an ambigram, I flip it upside down and it looks the exact same. Uh, one of the most famous ambigrams in the world is the logo design for the Princess Bride. Uh, oh. If you look at that poster or that DVD cover and you flip it upside down, it still says the Princess Bride. Uh, it has a perfect lateral symmetry in that way. Oh, cool. But I think writing a mystery... Uh, is probably a lot like making an ambigram because you have to write a story of like, if you watched this um, in order, like if you watched this happen, uh -huh. it has to be compelling. Where if you're just like, if you're just straight up following this crime, it has to be compelling and interesting and all work together. Yeah. And then you cut up the crime and put all the pieces all over the place. And then you have to write a story of somebody finding the pieces to that story mm -hmm. and make that story about your story that you wrote also compelling, it's like nested within itself Yeah, to me. And I think that's something that that, that Knives Out and Glass Onion do really well. Mm -hmm. um, I think that's when we talk about Wind River where we say the mystery part's not that engaging. I think the, the first story is uh, the story that's been cut up and hidden throughout the movie is maybe weaker than the story of people discovering that story. Right. Uh, and so I think, I don't know. Maybe I'm just not putting this together that that's what makes something truly a mystery movie for me. If both of those stories, if the story of the crime and the story of the solving of the crime are equally strong. Yeah. It is such a balancing what, act. Yeah. Yeah, it is. You know, we talked about how uh, comedy and horror have some strange similarities to where it's like, yeah. it's inherently subjective for a lot of it. But it's like, it has to be, there is a perfect balance of, because there can be too much of something too, like in a mystery right. script of the things that we already know can be pieces of that, like a red herring, like to get you off the trail. Like if you do that right. way too much, I think it falls right back into you saying that something is unfair. Because <laughs> it's yeah. like, un unless they make you laugh, I guess that's Ryan Johnson's special ingredient. Right. <laughs> is to be able to be like, okay, Okay, that was pretty funny. I had no way to yeah. solve. There was no way I was going to solve Glass Onion in my mind on the whodunits and, oh, it's like, oh, it's a twin. Oh, she's not actually dead. Oh, all these things. Yeah. Oh, the, the main antagonist is just stupid. It's like, okay, just now we can dumb. laugh about yeah. the yeah. wild ride that you took us on. What, I, I think, so maybe that's interesting then. What makes something a mystery movie versus just like a, you know, a Silence of the Lambs or a Wind River where it's like there is something to be solved, but it doesn't feel, at least to me, those things don't feel like a mystery movie. Because honestly, I, like almost every movie, there's some kind of question to solve. Like there is some mystery element in 
probably 80% of movies. Yeah, I think there is something that's pretty, I think a no no doubter, a one-to-one is if you do have the quote-unquote parlor room scene. Like Hmm. bringing together more than one suspect and having an audible reveal of what happened. Because we also did Zodiac during this. And that doesn't really have a parlor scene either. It's just like we've picked up on something. Um, You know, when we think of Silence of the Lambs, we had the moment where John Bernthal's character is the one actually opening up the trailer when we Jane is standing right outside of the trailer. And so that's our going back in time such a scenario. To see the actual crime. Made me think of when James Gum opens the door and it's Clarice. And we're like, oh shoot, she's at the right place by herself. (laughs) Yeah. So um, (laughs) bit of a rabbit trail there. But I think, I don't know. I feel like some of my favorite mysteries are the ones that aren't just blatant. I don't think it's like the first thing that shows up on the genre. I think there has to be thriller. Can you have mystery without it being thriller? Is that what Glass Onion and Knives Out are? Are they not thrillers? I don't know. I would say probably not because there's not really like running or exploding. Yeah. Maybe you know, that's like the genre element like, though. Quiet and the, calm. The, the thriller is kind of like the Venn diagram connecting circle for us between yeah, between horror and mystery. I don't know. Huh. Maybe the greatest mystery <laughs> is what is a mystery. <laughs> is the, maybe the greatest mystery is the friends that we made along the way. Mm, that's a good point. You know? That's a good point. That's it's, a good point. Speaking of life friends, is like not this, a journey. Life is not a destination. It's a mystery. It's not just, that's it's, what I always say. It's a mystery. <laughs> <laughs> I could not think of another saying besides the golden rule. So it was like, do unto others as you would have them do unto mystery. Um, yeah, that's a good point. That's that really good. I hadn't point. considered that. That's and, and, and in terms of the friends that we made along the way, Jordan, why don't you, I think our yeah. time's running out. We might as well sign off uh, for this most recent episode of Mystery. Go ahead. Whenever you're ready. J1? Is he here? I mean, I'm looking right at him. Wait, has he moved? Is that? Oh, it just fell. Oh, it was a cardboard cutout. It just fell over. Where's Jordan? Jordan? You want to stop the... We need to call him. That's pretty serious. What's wrong, pod boys? Did you lose track of your rivers and your shoes? So small to notice what you lack. I wonder 